Hey everybody, welcome to On Podcast, the On Microsoft Podcast, where we talk about Microsoft stuff on a podcast. I am your host today, Kareem Anderson, and joined by the world's greatest co-host, Arif Bacchus. Yeah, and we're back for a, another jam-packed week of Microsoft stuff. Uh, this was actually a pretty full uh, agenda we got going. We had a lot of stuff to talk about, a lot of stuff to look forward to uh, in the coming few days. So let's just get into it. Uh, do you want to start us off? Yeah, our first topic is something that you might want to forget. You no longer will be able to use your password on your Microsoft account if you don't want to anymore. Uh, you, it's uh, They're ditching uh, Microsoft account passwords in favor of Microsoft Authenticator. Yeah, that's going to be fun to talk about. Uh, we also have, coming up, uh, Mozilla has figured out a sneaky workaround for <laughs> your default settings or your default browser settings in Windows 11. Well, try and get into that and what we know about it so far. And then we're also going to get into Office 2021, which should be coming on the same day as the upcoming, no, as the Windows 11 release on October 5th. Coincidental timing or perfectly planned, you be <laughs> the judge. Uh, and then we get into some of the quick fast recap stuff because, again, it's chock full of a bunch of things. We have OneDrive becoming an official... EWA uh, that you can kind of install uh, via the browser. Uh, I don't think it's replaced the uh, one in the App Store just yet, but it yeah. could be on its way. And then we also have some more Surface news to talk about the repairability of Surface devices. Uh, Microsoft put out a new blog post about some new parts that enterprises could buy if they need to repair or fix broken surfaces. Yeah, for those of you who broke your surfaces in anticipation of new stuff and realized <laughs> you might still need to keep it, there's a couple ways to fix them. Uh, we also have uh, the Xbox app now supporting cloud gaming on the console itself. I took it for a spin, and we'll get my reactions in a little bit. Then we also have some news about the Photos app, which is like the third time we're talking about it now in three weeks. Yeah, but this time we actually have some hands-on, uh, not just a bunch of Twitter teases. Uh, and then we kind of jump into, uh, I think what you guys are probably really want to talk about is the stuff in the week ahead. Yeah, and in the week ahead, we have our Surface event coming up on September 22nd, which is a Wednesday. So we'll just get you up to speed on the rumors and what we could expect coming out of this Surface event. Yeah, and then I believe you got some toys to play with. I think the Dell XPS 17 and Dell Inspiron. Inspire Inspiron? Inspiron. Yep. Adele Inspiron. 14 AMD. Yep. To review. And you also have your own toys, which is a new headset from Lenovo. Yeah, I got some uh, late uh, warning late in the day today that uh, Lenovo's going to be shipping me their AR uh, headset, which are a pair of super sleek looking glasses, comparatively speaking to the HoloLens. I mean, they're still pretty nerdy. But uh, if they're paired with a Lenovo device, uh, they're supposed to work really well. So, I'm looking forward to trying that out. And we also have some slight Xbox news about a new expansion card for the Xbox Series X and S. Yeah, tons of storage stuff to talk about. So with that being said, let's get you guys through this and I'll get you on to your weekend. Yeah, uh, Microsoft is now taking a big step towards a passwordless feature today by making passwords optional for personal Microsoft accounts. Um, it was previously enabled a couple months ago with commercial and enterprise users, but now it's rolling out to people like you and me who are just regular old 
consumers. Um, and the reason Microsoft is doing this is because they think it is a pretty simple uh, situation here. Passwords are hard to remember, especially if they're complex. Passwords also waste time because you need to keep resetting them to keep them secure. And they also could be easily guessed by hackers if they're not uh, strong enough and also through social engineering. So with all those problems in mind, Microsoft is dropping the password requirement for Microsoft accounts for people who are using Microsoft Authenticator. And it's a pretty sweet experience where you download Authenticator on your phone and you head into your Microsoft account settings and you remove the password there. So now every time you wanna log in to say Outlook or OneNote or even Xbox or anything that uses your Microsoft account, you just enter the email address and then go to Authenticator and approve the login. Yeah, uh, you said regular folks, but I mean, let's be honest, the two of us really aren't that regular. <laughs> We're like, there's regular and then there's us and then there's enterprise. And so uh, I said that just to say that we've been kind of doing two-factor two authentication, you and my, uh, myself, uh, for a while now. Uh, and it's been a really cool process to kind of, uh, you know, just have your phone, if you have your phone handy, to be able to kind of log into things this way. Uh, as you were mentioning before, too, the impetus is not only just because uh, passwords can be hacked, but the nature of creating a password for a lot of people is a deterrent on making uh, an exceptional password. Uh, mm -hmm. And so Microsoft sees uh, this as a way to kind of break that barrier for a lot of people and get more devices secured are more account secure uh, because, I mean, quite frankly, they're tired of being in the headlines for hacks. So, and it's because of people like us who think, you know, oh, I'll use my favorite password and just kind of maybe <laughs> change a number or, or change uh, a, a special character symbol. Uh, now you don't even have to worry about that. So you could, you know, not have to worry about how complex it is or even having to remember it at all. So this should be a win-win for everybody. There are some specifics about this. Um, that uh, are kind of glossed over in their announcement, uh, you know, as far as, uh, you know, uh, if someone's, if someone were to have your device as you're trying to authenticate or re-authenticate something, uh, they could, you know, get access to your account that way, I suppose. But I mean, it's also biometric, so they'd probably have to need your eye or finger or something to do it. Yep. But, uh, or they would have to know what your secondary email is. So uh, again, these are very personal attacks. So at this point, you're in a lot more trouble than just, uh, someone knowing your email. Uh, but on the whole, this seems to be a really good, cool step forward for Microsoft, uh, for Microsoft users, uh, an easy way to kind of get in and out of uh, devices using Microsoft. And other things, I think Microsoft uh, uses, I forget what the, the protocol is called, but you know, basically just like Facebook, when you log into yeah. Spotify, you can use your Facebook account. Microsoft accounts are appearing in a lot more of those things. So um, third-party services, uh, Adobe software, things like that. Uh, you can probably also log into using. I know Adobe has their own indicator app, but I think you can also use Microsoft as well. And if you don't want uh, this, you don't have to go with it. It yeah. is something that is completely optional. They're not removing passwords for everyone and forcing you to use Authenticator. It's uh, just another completely optional step to add a, a next layer of security to your account. Uh, yeah, Microsoft has a cool little video. I think it's about a minute and a half long, maybe yeah. a little bit longer, where they show you where to go do this, too, because this isn't just uh, download the Authenticator app and it happens automatically. You have to actually go in to the Microsoft account website, I believe, with your yeah. own login, go into security, go into advanced settings, and then click on the enable action. Uh, I did that earlier today. I haven't had to log into anything outside of what I've already used, so I, haven't, I can tell you what the new experience is like. 
But like I said, I've been using two-factor authentication and usually it just means check your phone uh, to make sure that you're okay with authorizing whatever this app is. And um, let's move on to our second topic, which is a bit more controversial because uh, Firefox, um, which is Mozilla's product, uh, is now could be your default browser without on Windows 11 without having to go through all the hoops of going to the settings and changing each one of the defaults one by one by one. Now it's all automatic. Yeah, let's give people a little bit of history in case they don't understand yeah. the significance of this. Because as you mentioned, this is controversial and most people are thinking like, it's a default browser with an option. How can it be controversial? Well, uh, in Windows 11, Microsoft decided to uh, change the way that default browsers are uh, it's, uh, selected and implemented uh, on the platform. Previously in Windows 10 and I believe in Windows 8, you could do a one-click switch, basically, and all of the protocol stuff like HTM, uh, .htm, uh, EDF readers, mm -hmm. uh, other you know link opening uh, protocols would all be done with whatever selected browser you had. It was a very simple uh, way to do this. You'd go into the Windows 10 settings, go into browser, pick your default browser, hit the one switch, and everything for that browser would would be your default. So if you're in Windows Search specifically and you wanted to pull up an article or something like that, it would pull it up in your default browser, be it Chrome or Firefox. In Windows 11, they took that away uh, and they had individuals basically go in, choose a browser, and then choose the browser for every single uh, web protocol for web browsing. So there were up to 15 different ones that you'd have to click and they were all set as to edge as default. Yep. So if you pick Chrome and said you want it as your default browser, just web viewing itself would be set as uh, Chrome. But if you were to open up a link, open up a PDF, uh, open up uh, an email, like a default email that you wanted to, all that would be open in Edge. So you'd have this weird disjointed thing. And uh, I think Tom Moore and over at The Verge wrote a lot about it. It's been floating on Twitter. Uh, us in the tech industry have been kind of talking about it. So I'll let you talk about what Mozilla did. Basically, it's a one-click button now where you go into a Firefox itself, you click the menu, and you click Change as Default. And as you do that, it doesn't even open Windows settings anymore. It's just all under the hood, and it's like an automatic one-click to get everything set to default. And it's a very, very sneaky thing because you don't need to go into any settings menu in Windows itself to do it. So some people are saying that this could be, if Mozilla discloses how they're doing it, that it could be a way for spyware or other things to hijack your system. Because if you could do this, imagine what a hacker could do with this if they figure out how to change your browser and without even opening the settings app and giving you a UI to see where, where you're going. Yeah, yeah. Um... When Microsoft was asked about the change, I believe again, uh, The Verge reached out to them. Uh, we wrote about it as well. Uh, they said that they were they seemed to be sticking to their guns with this, saying that this yeah. was uh, a more secure way and a more advanced way for individuals to set their default browser. It doesn't seem like they're going to be changing it anytime soon in Windows 11 or Windows, when Windows 11 comes out. Uh, so the fact that Mozilla kind of went around and did this, and mind you, Mozilla is like the third browser. Yeah. Uh, you know, you would think the, the folks from Google would be more upset with Microsoft's change for Windows 11, but uh, Mozilla found a way around it. And as you were mentioning, uh, while it's great for Firefox fans who want to retain their previous Windows 10 setups uh, in Windows 11, 
there there are potentials for it to be misused, especially if again, like you said, reverse engineered and people figure out a way to access default settings without Windows security or prompts or protocols to kind of uh, guide viewers through it. So, you know, if you were to lace malware with the Windows or with the Firefox download, it would then be able to access all kind of all other kind of uh, changes and settings potentially. So, uh, I don't think I don't believe Microsoft or Firefox have talked about. Uh, this aside from Firefox, kind of just touting like, "Hey, we figured out a way to do this." Uh, I'm sure they're in talks right now. Uh, Firefox is constantly mad at Microsoft, so let's see if they can find a compromise. Maybe in Windows 11, uh, they will figure out a way for the top three browsers to have access to this setting. Uh, you know, kind of be whitelisted for this kind of uh, switch, and everything else maybe not. But who knows? It is interesting. If you're a Firefox fan, um, try it at your own discretion. But Microsoft said that this is something that they're not officially supporting. And exactly. it's so there we go. And that's the controversy right there. Yeah, like, like we said, uh, they are sticking to the guns where they would like people to, one, just use Edge as the default for everything. It just makes everybody's lives easier on the Microsoft end, not for you. Uh, and two, uh, like I said, there are security reasons why they've gone and made this change. I would venture to guess that these are all enterprise issues, IT admins probably want to limit the amount of uh, back and forth between uh, Chrome and Edge using. All right, yeah. uh, if they can limit the way that you open up your uh, email, uh, if you're using like a web client or something, like your own proprietary web client, uh, they can go in and manually set that. So you can explore using Chrome or Edge, but when you need to open up secure email from your web client, uh, you can do it. It'll automatically do it for you on your device. So these are the kind of things uh, that I think were baked in for enterprise reasons, but are making uh, giving a lot of consumers headaches. So now let's jump into our third topic, which is Office 2021 coming on October 5th. Speaking about enterprise, yeah. <laughs> um, for those of us who are either on the ins uh, Office Insider or using Office 365, uh, this is probably boring news. But if you want to get into the details of Office 2021 officially for, for people, uh, break it down for us. Well, Office 2021 is what we in the industry like to call a quote-unquote perpetual-based kind of software because, like Kareem hinted at, with Microsoft 365, you need to pay a monthly or yearly fee to keep using Word, Excel, and PowerPoint. And granted, uh, you're paying, you're leasing the software from Microsoft uh, for a monthly fee. You're getting monthly updates and new features as they add them, but not everyone would want that. And it's, spe it's especially true in enterprise situations where you might just have a computer laying in an operating room or a shop somewhere or a pizza, pizza place somewhere, a cash machine or whatever it is. You don't want to keep paying for something that you're only going to use once. So this is what Office 2021 is. It's the single paid you're paid and you're done version of Office, but it has some of the same features as Microsoft 365. And this is what will be coming out on October 5th. And it is replacing, I think, Office 2019, if I'm not mistaken, right? Correct. Yeah. And yeah. some of the new features for those of you, like you said, uh, for us, Office 365 subscribers, we get these monthly and you yeah. know, insiders get even more stuff in the beta channel. And for those of you who are stuck on 2019 and were hesitant or just chose to for business reasons not upgrade what you can expect to if you did decide to is you, you would get dynamic arrays for excel uh you get improved reading features in powerpoint and translator yep. 
uh, and ink support and outlook. So, you know, these are some cool new things to go along with some of your cool new devices that we might be talking about next week. So, uh, and I mean, there are a myriad of other um, uh, security things that they've kind of updated as far as uh, Exchange and, and Outlook as well. And uh, this will not be the last version of Office, perpetual version of Office, that is, because uh, Jared, in his blog post, which announced the LTSC, which is the long-term servicing channel, basically enterprise version of Office, which is already available, by the way, he mentioned that it offers the most productive and secure experience available. And we are regularly adding new features, including innovations in collaboration, AI, security, and more. So there will be be another release coming from after office 2021 i think they do it every two years or every three years following the schedule i think so yeah yeah uh, part of the announcement also mentioned that you would get a modernized look so yeah uh, i don't know if that is i forget what 2019 actually looked like um but i wonder if it's going to come in line with what we're seeing for the windows 11 upgrade stuff where you get the, the minimized uh, ribbon uh you get the rounded corners in the apps and things like that um, I don't remember seeing screenshots for it specifically, but uh, you are getting a modernized uh, office experience, at least visually. So, uh, and I think you sh it should be in line with everything uh, that we're seeing for Office 365. And that said, uh, we we launched a new segment this week that we're calling "What Do You Think?" and because uh, me and Kareem are always talking with our opinions, and we care about you too. So we asked you guys on Twitter, the on Microsoft Twitter, we launched three polls. And the first one, we asked you, are you ready to go passwordless with your Microsoft account? You can do so now using Microsoft Authenticator. Well, it's a, it's a pretty close race here because... 52% uh, of you said, yes, I've already removed my password. And 47% of you said, no, I'm keeping my password. So it's <laughs> almost 50-50 here. And that is uh, of 46 votes. Yeah, like I said, it's uh, it's a bit of hesitancy because you don't know what the unknown holds as far as, you know, having to, you know, have your phone near you. It's you know just yeah. easier to type in your password. But uh, sometimes, like you said, like we were saying, if you want to make more complex passwords or you are just tired of getting that prompt of, oh, hey, it's been like 87 days since your last up <laughs> update, you might want to change it or whatever, um, then going passwordless uh, should be a benefit for everyone. Uh, well, I think going forward, we'll see more people do it, especially as Google pushes you know more into it. There was right. constantly like, hey, is this you who logged in? I'm like, yeah, it's me. And uh, the second question we asked, do you think Mozilla is wrong in finding a way around Microsoft's default browser controls in Windows 11 by making it easy to swap Firefox as your default browser with just one click? And of 25 votes, 72% uh, of you sided against Microsoft by saying, no, it needs to be easy. <laughs> And 28% uh, of you said, uh, yes, uh, I am. I, I do think they're wrong for security purposes. Yeah, well, I mean, the question is very nuanced, I suppose. So, because uh, <laughs> I was on the side, of, I'd be on the side of the 28% saying that uh, I find what they did wrong, but only because, not what they did initially, but just because I think what Microsoft is doing as far as uh, setting each protocol is for the benefit, again, for IT admins, for people who kind of know what they're doing. It isn't really a detriment for a lot of people who even want to switch to Chrome. 
uh, because most of the web browser that you do in Chrome, if you were to go from one tab to the next or even open up a link sometimes in, in that, uh, you know what you're doing when you switch to Chrome. Uh, you're, you're making a conscious choice. You're educated enough to do that. I think we sometimes conflate people's intelligence to saying like, oh, they're, you know, they're too dumb. They need to be walked through things versus like, you know, the super educated know what they're doing all the time. I think we've obviously fall somewhere on that scale. So I think with Microsoft moving forward with this and having, you know, Edge as the default and you having to kind of go in and change from PDF reader and some other things like that. I have no problem with it because I've been using Edge forever now. I've switched from Chrome over to Edge. Uh, but I do agree that, you know, Microsoft needs to make it at least show people all go to the settings and show people that default page initially. So they'll at least know what they're looking for if they want to go and change stuff again. And in our third question, we asked you, Office 2021 is coming to consumers on October 5th. Do you prefer to subscribe to Microsoft 365 or do you like the perpetual non-subscription versions of Office? And 40 of you voted in the poll and 67% of you said you like Microsoft 365 and 32% of you sided with Office Perpetual. Well, see, I think we need to make a correction here too, though. Uh, there's Microsoft 365 and then there's Office 365. Uh, I think what we're saying is that everybody would like Office 365 because I think Microsoft 365 has like Azure and uh, comes with. Uh, I think Windows is now part of that. Well, Windows. they they had they had rebranded the consumer uh, Office 365 to Microsoft 365, so that is also what we're talking about here as well. Okay. When you when you know so much, you also make mistakes from time I, to time. You know so little is what they say. <laughs> and um, we have a comment in our poll also from one of our re uh, readers here. And he said, uh, this is about Mozilla, uh, uh, not Mozilla, sorry, about the whole two-factor authentication thing. And he said, I still don't see the point of it for people who are already using two-factor authentication. We were already able to access our account just by using passwords. And even someone got the password, it still asks for two-factor authentication. So I chose to keep it. It's, it is just extra security for me with any with no negatives. So there you go. That's one thought on the whole Microsoft account password list thing. Yeah, it's really weird because, like we said, it isn't. I wonder if it's going to be something in the out of box experience for Windows 11 that you can easily change. Because as of right now, it's almost as complicated to set up this as it is to do two factor authentication. You know, get the app on the phone and um, set that up because you have to know going into the settings and changing all this right. stuff. You have to know what your Microsoft account. Uh, password and all that stuff is to get into the web version of this. So if it's something that they're going to start do, building into Windows 11 saying like, hey, you know, now that you've entered uh, your Microsoft account, would you like to go password list from now on? That would be amazing. But if they keep it the way it is, where you have to kind of go through a bunch of settings, go on the web to find it and all this stuff, I agree with, the, with uh, our uh, person who answered the question. Like it just seems kind of useless and, and, and extra work if you already have two-factor authentication. And we also had another, another reply from Mark Kaplan, who said he already switched his pa account to passwordless, and he is loving it. So there, you, there's one guy there, too. Loving it. Okay. I mean, <laughs> if you love it, that's great. You know, everyone needs something to, to be happy about. 
So again, uh, this is a reminder that we will be keep doing this every week on the on Microsoft Twitter. So be sure to vote in our polls, and there will be themed towards the three topics that we discuss on the podcast. Yeah, we'd love to get everybody's input, and uh, maybe uh, we'll have to uh, maybe give people more time. Maybe we'll set it a day before or something, yeah. or something like that. So we have more more reviews, more stuff to talk about, more comments. And that said, stuff to talk about. Fast recap. Let's get started here because we have about four things to get to. And I'm giving us our usual 10 minutes. All right. OneDrive is a PWA, folks. Uh, OneDrive has made the jump to PWA, even though I think with uh, the way Edge was doing stuff about five months ago, you could have done it officially. But now you can officially do it. And uh, it comes with all of the same stuff. Nothing really changes. You get a little less Chrome in your browser when you change it over. Uh, you can put it to your start menu or to your taskbar as well, as you could kind of do before. You're almost, you have two OneDrives if you still kept the OneDrive icon in your taskbar to begin with. Uh, it's just nice that it's there. Uh, I, In doing so recently, I also compared it to the one that you get from the Microsoft Store. To be honest with you, I prefer the one from the Microsoft Store because it has a dark theme. It also has a little nicer aesthetic than just the web view. But uh, I wonder if this is going to be a step towards combining the two, uh, keeping the visuals from the from the app and giving it the functionality from uh, the web. Because as I mentioned to you off camera, the one from the web, the one from the app, you can't access your your vault. The one from the web, you can. So. Even though the app is you know, written specifically for the operating system and the platform, there still has security issues that it can't overcome. But the web version can, so combine the two, you're good to go. And that said, move on to our second topic here, which is about Microsoft highlighting the repairability of Surface devices. Now, this can be controversial a little bit because you're not exactly able to rip open your Surface and upgrade the SSD or put in a GPU in it. But Microsoft uh, put out a post where they talked about how they are highlighting a commitment to improving the modularity, repairability, and recyclability of their their own devices. And there are four new parts that you could buy now from Microsoft, but only if you are enterprise for Surface devices, including the Laptop 4, the Laptop 3, the Pro 7, the Pro 7 Plus, and the Pro X. These include the SSD door on the Pro 7 Plus, as well as the Pro 7 and the Surface Pro X, the kickstand on the Surface Pro 7, the Surface Pro X, and the Surface Pro 7 Plus. And when it comes to the Laptop 4 and the Laptop 3, they're now offering the display assembly as well as the keyboard, trackpad, and frame assembly. So more parts for everyone to fix broken Surface devices. Yeah, I mean, to be honest with you, aside from maybe give, bringing, giving people an ability to, to fix the screen kit, those are probably the foremost access um, to use yeah. things on the device that need to be fixed. Uh, fixed, not uh, upgraded, let's put it that way. Uh, the only upgrade one is the SSD. Yeah. Uh, but for the most part, these are repairability. So people have to keep that in mind when they you know, write their angry letters about, oh, you won't let me upgrade my device. These are for <laughs> fixing your device. So if you outused your hinge somehow, uh, your IT guy can go in and say, hey, I just need a new hinge for this device and you can keep your device, your Surface Pro intact without having to uh, start over with a new one. So, you know, kudos to them for that. It's a small thing, but hey, we'll take what we can get. And get us into the Xbox news. 
So uh, they released this. I believe this was on uh, was it the fourteenth? Yeah. So earlier this week, uh, people can go out and start uh, testing out the Xbox gaming app. You can go into I believe it's the store on the Xbox and kind of download that. And what it'll end up doing is allowing you to open up a streaming uh, portal essentially. So you get all the same features of you know uh, using this app. You can check out. Um, achievements and all the stuff that you've been doing with friends and you know all that kind of stuff so uh i would say head over to the xbox store app on your console download the new uh streaming app and start you know trying out some of these other new games more and graphic the, and the final topic that we have here for our fast recap is microsoft rolling out the new photos app for windows 11 which i still don't have but i know you had a chance to play with it yeah, I think when they say A-B testing, they just mean Arif. Not Every, everyone but Arif. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, basically. Um, so uh, I got it uh, actually earlier today. Uh, it took me forever to update to this new uh, uh, build that they released. But uh, it's pretty cool. Um, it's nothing huge, so don't go in uh, to the Photos app expecting this you know, parade of new features and new design, things like that. It looks pretty much the exact same. Uh, you'll start to notice it mostly when you go into an individual uh, image, uh, and then you'll start to see you'll see the new uh, minimize ribbon at the top, which offers you a slew of new features. Um, you can kind of do edge to edge viewing of, of each uh, image. You can do a fit to fit to screen as well. Uh, you can do markups, sort of like you can do before. A lot of these features you could have done before, but again, as we mentioned a couple podcasts ago, they were hidden in submenus, so now they're kind of all in front of you. Uh, I think the biggest thing now is that you uh, can open an image in whatever selected uh, uh, software you want to use. So I use Affinity uh, Photos a lot, um, and so I can go into an individual image, right-click it, and open it in that right off the bat. Or if, you know, if you don't get the chance to open it um, as soon as you download it. So if you're you know, going through the Photos app, you can say, open this in Affinity Photos. So that's pretty cool. Uh, again, nice, cool update. It's just a fresh coat of paint, basically. It really is. Uh, like I said, these are all, most of these, 95% of these features that you'll see in the new app were there. They were just in some menus. You can, if you don't have it, you can basically right-click at the very top, I believe, uh, uh, and see a lot of these menus kind of reappear, but now they're laid out visually in front of you above the image. And that said, we finished our fast recap in under 10 minutes, as always. <laughs> <laughs> and now let's get into our week ahead, and I'll let you get started on week ahead by discussing some of the things that are expected for the Surface event on Wednesday, September 22nd. Okay, so for those of you ready, this is going to start a whole new podcast. Sit down. With your <laughs> we could talk about tea. hours for this if we yeah, wanted to. Slow sip your iced tea with this one. Uh, I wrote a piece about what to kind of expect from the Surface uh, event coming on Wednesday. And I will briefly go over it. I would love for you to read it. Uh, we're expecting a uh, Surface Pro 8, uh, possibly a, a refresh of the Surface Pro X, uh, that meaning, meaning a new uh, processor uh, in, the, in the chip, maybe some updates to the keyboard itself. Uh, for the Surface Pro 8, we're expecting a sort of redesign, uh, not a full-on Surface Pro X one, but at least some updates to uh, add a potential uh, another USB port, which could be Thunderbolt uh, 4, I believe, Thunderbolt 4 support. So you might have two uh, Thunderbolt 4 uh, ports versus, and, and they will remove the USB-A as well. 
Uh, we expect to see some updates to the keyboards uh, and you know potentially the trackpads, making them a little bit larger. Uh, and then moving on to the Duo, I think that's going to probably be something that takes up most of the time uh, at this event, if it isn't this surprise Surface laptop I'll talk about in a second. The Duo, we've been saying, has been leaked. Uh, for the most part, we kind of know what we're getting as far as hardware is concerned. Better camera, more RAM, uh, NFC, uh, I believe, uh, improved, updated Wi-Fi, uh, 5G support, uh, potentially bigger battery, So, and then some design uh, changes, tweaks on the glass itself and the, the folding part of the screen, so it curves. So uh, should make the gap look smaller potentially yep. for anybody who's like you know ready to watch full screen YouTube on there, uh, and then uh, additional color it might be coming to matte black. So you know those of you who are you know all black everything, they have a, a design for you. Uh, you know we're also thinking that we might see an update to the Surface uh, Go, uh, the Surface Go three, since mm-hmm. you've been seeing benchmarks as far as the new processor and what can be done with it. Uh, we don't expect a big redesign for it because it already had slim bezels. It was already sort of rounded. Uh, I don't think you can get any slimmer, so probably just a processor update and maybe uh, some different colors for the keyboards. Uh, and then uh, making sure I got everything. Uh, oh, and the Surface Laptop Pro. Yeah, um, we've hinted at it. It could be what you either call the Surface Laptop Studio because it's supposed to take the uh, hinge type of uh, similarities as a Surface Studio where you can pull up the uh, I believe it's the HP Elite Folio is what they call it, uh, where you can pull the screen up at certain different angles or slide it back down, and it's all connected to the base. It's not a detachable like the Surface Lab or Surface Book was. Uh, we don't expect to see a Surface Book update at all, really. Uh, this may the Surface Laptop Pro, whatever it's called, may eventually replace that. Um, again, it's supposed to be having RTX graphics in place. Uh, we don't know if it's going to be probably 11th gen still for the chip processor, unless. They announce it now and ship it in January or later, you know, in spring, because then they could have a 12 gen processor in there. Uh, I think they're supposed to improve the screen. Uh, that's another thing for the Surface Pro 8 and Surface Pro X is that we might have um, 120 or 90 or 120 hertz uh, refresh rates for the new screen. So surfaces are starting to move towards those because Windows 11 supports that, which is great. Um, and it's haptics, uh, haptics in the screen with the Surface Pen as well. Yes, because Windows 11 also supports that as well, so you can get a better inking experience. So, which also might mean we, and I'll move on to the exceptions of you know, this final part, is that we might get a new Surface Pro or Surface Pen, uh, which could uh, also uh, make some adjustments to the haptics as well. So you get a much more, uh, much more realistic, realistic yeah. feeling writing experience. Exactly, and then uh, I do believe the Surface Ear. Buds are due for an update because they haven't been touched since the first one, really. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they should come out with something new for that. Uh, the Surface headphones, because again, the last one we got was the Surface headphones two, which uh, were just only authorized or certified for Teams. But uh, they, you know, there's a lot of tech that could be gone in for the last year that they can put into these. Uh, so that's what we're expecting: a lot of Surface hardware uh, in about four days, I think. And we will be watching the event live on Wednesday at 10, uh, 11 a.m. when it happens. I think it's funny that these events are now like 11 a.m. because uh, for Windows 11, maybe. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's. I don't know why they did this. Maybe they. Should, <laughs> maybe it's Windows people. We're a lazy bunch. We get up at you know we get later in the day. 
So we'll be watching it live and covering it live. So be sure to follow us on Twitter and also read our site because we'll have a live blog and we'll be covering everything as we're watching it and as the action unfolds. Yeah, we would love to. Maybe we'll put out a poll and see if you guys would like us to cover it with our own opinions and voices during lifetime as well. Maybe that'd be something we can start exploring in the future. And that said, um, we're also getting some new hardware here for the week ahead. I'm getting Dell's XPS 17, and I already have Dell's Inspiron 14 with the AMD Ryzen uh, chips inside uh, for review. The XPS 17 didn't arrive yet because, um, as always, I say, every week uh, FedEx was late with it. But that is a monster of a machine. You have the 17-inch uh, what an infinite infinity edged panel where it's uh, slim bezels. And it also has the RTX 3080 graphics with 70 watts of power in there and 32 gigabytes of RAM and Core i7 8 series processors inside. And the uh, Inspiron is more of a budget laptop that's $800 with AMD Ryzen. It is a two in one and it, it has been holding up pretty well so far in my daily workflow. So that is what I have coming up in the week ahead. And I know you also have your own hardware too. Yeah, I have an IdeaPad from Lenovo, uh, IdeaPad 5, I think it is, uh, that I have to review. So it's your uh, SMB sort of, uh, well, not even that, it's an IdeaPad. So it's your consumer version uh, of a mid-ranger. Uh, so I'm new testing that out. And I get to pair it with uh, the new uh, AR headset that they have, or a pair of glasses that, that, that are out. So uh, Lenovo has mentioned to me that, again, when you pair it, it should work with any Windows 10 enabled device right now. I'm assuming they'll support Windows 11, uh, and, but it works best with the Lenovo ones. So I think there might be uh, an app in there that I can use to kind of leverage all of that. Uh, but anyway, I get some AR experience, and I'll let you guys know what it's like. Uh, and then I, um, I believe you also have uh, the Seagate expansion card. I don't know. Um, it's, it's just a general news story about what is expected. Right now, if you want to expand the stories on uh, the storage, sorry, on your Series X or Series X Xbox console, you need to do so and buy the one terabyte card, which fits in that slot in the back. But rumor is that Seagate could be making a cheaper 500 gigabyte option, which could help you boost the storage on the console without spending $220 for the one terabyte model um a french blog uh, spotted a internal listing for this uh model so there's hope that we could be getting an announcement soon and it would be excellent for the series s which only has i think it's 512 gigabytes of storage included on that console so you're going to boost yourself to one terabyte if you buy this card yeah i remember microsoft getting some flack about the way that they were doing the storage uh, yeah. at the beginning, and they, they you know, people were saying they were slow to adopt new technologies and things like that. But it seems like working with their partners, uh, that this may be the best going forward, especially as far as the speeds, the read and write speeds for this kind of stuff. If you're, uh, you know, pulling from stored data in your game in real time, so uh, hopefully this is a much cheaper option, like you said, for anybody who can get their hands on a Series S. Uh, might be now might be a good time, or pretty soon might be a good time. And that said, I think we got through everything in the podcast today, unless you have anything you want to add. No, I'm just, I'm thinking also, man, I'm, buying, I'm talking myself into a Series S as I'm <laughs> thinking about this, because like I can do xCloud on my Series S and get more storage 
on the base model of the Series S at a cheaper price. And I believe that the Series S is a little easier to get than the Series X. So if those aren't reasons to get a Series S, I don't know what is, guys. You've been reading Lorenz reviews way too much, haven't you? <laughs> I mean, the guy's good. He knows what he's talking about. <laughs> ah, you're funny. <laughs> yeah, no, that's all I got to say. Uh, we'll let you guys get to the rest of your weekend. It went a little bit long, but we thank you as always for being with us. You guys have been super faithful, uh, super fun to be around, especially uh, in the comment section, things like that. So we would love to keep you guys uh, coming back and just let us know what we could do to keep this more entertaining for you. Uh, you can find me at Mindhead1 on Twitter. Where can people find you? Abac Jern. Yeah, and you can also find the rest of our writers who are you know, talented, uh, great journalists, uh, Ravi, uh, Laurent, uh, Brad, and uh, Maurice, and the rest of the crew. Uh, over, uh, find all the stories on, on Microsoft on Twitter. Uh, again, that's for, uh, you know, our editorials, the latest news, giveaways, uh, any uh, late-breaking stuff, so, uh, any polls as well, any type of communication, all on that channel. And uh, as always, thanks for watching, everyone. Hope to see you again soon. Same place, same time. Yeah, stay safe. Uh, if you're not vaccinated, stay inside. If you are, stay inside <laughs> anyway. Everyone stay inside until we can really go outside and see each other. Stay inside and watch our podcast every Sunday for the next year or so. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, everyone. Take care.